Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Micro Habits for Life podcast. I'm your host, Justin Studebaker. Today, you'll be hearing a story about faith, healing, and the process of discovering the powerful formula of micro habits plus God equals transformational change. Let's begin. Seven years ago, my life was completely wrecked, like a ship on the shoals of a deserted island. It was that bad. I was lost, confused, and without a clue of where to go next. Everything I had believed in to be true and trusted was proven to be false. My financial, emotional, mental, and spiritual bank accounts were empty. My condo was underwater, and soon it would need to be foreclosed on or sold as a short sale. I had maxed out most of my retirement with a 401k loan to start an ill-advised consulting business. And my turbulent and emotionally destructive three-year relationship collapsed under its own toxic weight. Thankfully, through these challenging and dark times, my family stuck by my side. My sister and brother-in-law graciously took me in to live with them as I licked my wounds from these traumatic life experiences. I had walked away from my rock, the Catholic faith, and mentally was suffering from insomnia, memory loss, and complex PTSD. I would have been Webster's dictionary definition of a lost cause. This was definitely the darkest moment of my life, but they say the darkest moment of the night is directly before the first glimmer of dawn, and moving in with my sister provided a glimmer of light and hope. This period allowed me to slow down and quietly reflect on where things went wrong. This was very healing. It created a deep desire to throw off the yoke of these distorted core beliefs and values that led me to such a dark place. Instead of bemoaning these life failures, I was becoming more and more thankful for this humbling experience of brokenness. It gave me the greatest gift possible a motivation to give my heart to Jesus, really for the first time. The next micro steps in recovery were therapy sessions, core belief journaling, and beginning to sleep again. My natural inclination in life was never to take things slow. I always had the pedal to the metal. The idea of settling for small, incremental change was distasteful. I was raised playing sports and always had to go big or go home in my mentality in setting and attacking goals. If any of you have seen Talladega Nights, I was about as self-aware as the character that Will Ferrell plays named Ricky Bobby. On multiple occasions, he exclaimed, If you're not first, you're last! One time, It was right before he crashed his car and the thing became engulfed in flames, which led to a nervous breakdown. My life felt a little like that car scene. It hurts when outlandish Will Ferrell comedies hit so close to home. Looking at the daunting task in front of me was overwhelming. There was a mountain of healing and growth that needed to take place, along with layers of distorted core beliefs that needed to be peeled back like an onion. When thinking about facing all these challenges, 
It made me want to crawl into a hole. It filled me with life-stopping anxiety and fear. It became clear over the coming months that this process needed to be attacked one piece at a time. Most importantly, Jesus needed to be at the center of this effort, praying daily, listening to wise counsel, and allowing the process to unfold in God's time were key foundational elements to my healing. And the process of taking small steps ended up being a foundational element of microhabits as well. In life, it was important that I began to see myself clearly without lies, distortions, or positive thinking. It became clear where one of my problems lied. I would begin a new effort or relationship with a ton of enthusiasm, drive, motivation, and positive affirmations. After initial strong results, the weight of the effort and my waning motivation would lead to distraction, setbacks, and ultimately failure. It always seemed like it was a motivation issue or a personal failure issue that kept standing in my way of achieving consistent results. I would regularly beat myself up with inner dialogue that was not kind or helpful. This led me to question my abilities and talents. After beginning to study microhabits more deeply, I was relieved when one expert, Dr. B.J. Fogg, said, We are not the problem. It's a design flaw, not a personal flaw. Thanks be to God, within three months of my life meltdown, enough healing and growth had occurred for me to get my own place and apply for a job at my previous employer, Nordstrom. The city of Roseville always seemed like a wonderful area, and the gallery was a beautiful mall to work at. It pays to not burn bridges, because my previous work stint at the Arden Fair Nordstrom helped me gain employment in the men's sportswear department in Roseville. This is where the next phase of my microhabit development occurred. It began when I came across a fable from childhood called The Tortoise and the Hare. A deeper understanding of the fable began to shape a new outlook on how my work habits should be developed. I identified greatly with the hare in that story, but I knew the tortoise won the race. How could I become more like the tortoise? My mind went to the difference between goal setting and daily refinement of the service I provided. The hare in me would set big goals and start out really strong but then lose focus and falter after a few days, becoming unproductive in the process. By focusing on the daily refinement of the service I provided, it helped me understand the needs of my customer and stay engaged and present with each customer. This helped me eliminate pushing items on my customers and assisted me in providing higher levels of customer service. I began to understand this was a need-based service focus compared to my previous me-based selling focus. By me-based, I mean whatever was best for me, I would try to sell. When not with customers, I began looking for proactive ways 
to become more consistent by refining my knowledge and selling technique, building more clientele that were loyal, and providing a unique shopping experience. One creative way this was accomplished was with a holiday whiskey tasting party. These efforts began to create less anxiety and allow me to enjoy my job more. I began to gain momentum in my sales success and have very few dips in performance. This led to more stability and peace of mind. Two other areas of my life played dramatic roles in developing microhabits. One was a deep conversion of faith, and the other was a desire to weave charitable service into the fabric of my business as a men's stylist. My journey of faith began anew within the Catholic Church. I was attending silent retreats where we learned about slowing down, listening to the quiet whisper of God, and moving at His pace while surrendering and trusting in His will. Sanctifying grace was introduced into my life, which is basically the slow, steady process of growing in faith and virtue. These powerful faith experiences opened new levels of understanding around microhabits and how they could be implemented into the rest of my life to create transformational change. The key to understanding and developing microhabits tied into my desire to weave charity into the fabric of my business model. This was actualized over time in the process of Dress to Soar being born. Around the time of these discoveries, a group from Quinea Homes for Teens came and spoke at a Nordstrom United Way meeting. It was a beautiful experience that touched my heart deeply. My eyes began to be open to the struggles and trials that teens in foster care faced in their daily lives. It seemed like a sign that this was where God wanted me to serve. At the time of this meeting, I had very low confidence in my abilities to provide much of an impact for these teens at Koinonia. I remember thinking, the only real skills I have are providing some style knowledge to these young men. So I guess I can start there. That is the beautiful thing about microhabits and God. Together, they can shape and mold us into new creations that are barely recognizable to our former selves. I am very grateful for Nordstrom and Koenia Homes for Teens. Kamala and Bill Ryland from Koenia have been such a beautiful example of selfless service for me to learn from. My testimony highlighting the power of God and microhabits wouldn't have been possible without both of these wonderful organizations. Nordstrom Cares literally funded our program early on by providing $10 for every hour we volunteered and matching every dollar we donated. Our first effort for Quenya was a style workshop with one other volunteer named Chris Ortiz. He would continue to provide steady friendship and leadership throughout this adventure. At this first event, we taught four teens how to tie a tie and a few other style tips, and we provided each of them with a free dress shirt compliments of Peter Millar. It was held in the Roseville Nordstrom event room. To me, this was a smashing success and the height of what I could expect 
for my talents and abilities. Maybe I would do something like this once or twice a year, I thought. I could say I'd done my part for foster youth. God, to my surprise, had other plans. Soon after, during a time in prayer, I got a sense to just do a little more. Never to push the envelope, I stayed open to what God had in store and continued to look for ways we could do just a little more. Sometimes, I found out just a little more ended up being way more, which led to many growing pains and anxious moments. Chris can attest to that. When we made mistakes, we would come back to our principles and correct habits, continuing the journey of serving the teens. Each time we would serve the teens at Koinonia, I could feel my heart opening up more and more. Hearing the stories of what these teens had to overcome and experience brought tears to my eyes, as it did many of our volunteers. After a workshop at Koinonia, we thought of a new idea. These teens were provided some information at each workshop. But what if they could have some clothing provided and a style guide to take with them when they left Koinonia? This seemed like an overwhelming task to accomplish. I had not written or researched anything since college, and that was a long time ago. And how are we going to organize and house donated clothing? While not fully understanding microhabits at this point in the process, they innately made sense to me. Start small and let the process develop in God's time. Creating some micro steps brought down my anxiety over this project. With the style workbook, number one, know my aspiration, big goal of putting together a workbook that can provide essential clothing knowledge. Number two, take it day by day, step by step, and begin to accumulate information that was viewed as important for the workbook. And number three, catalog the information into a format that would be useful for the teens. Over time, the workbook came together with important style information. <laughs> Two important discoveries came out of this effort in creating the workbook. First, an unflattering discovery that I had zero skills in graphic design. That is what is great about microhabits. When you're a patient and you take your time, God provides the necessary support and resources. This came in the form of a new volunteer formatting the workbook. The format I had created left much to be desired, let me tell you. The second and more positive discovery was that researching this style workbook raised my motivation level and performance at work. It created a new and renewed interest in learning style knowledge. I had a desire to better serve the teens at Quinea, and that spilled over into my work at Nordstrom. I became much more knowledgeable and effective in serving my customers. We definitely didn't know what we were getting into with the clothing donations. Our Nordstrom customers are some of the most generous and wonderful people. They willingly provided clothing to support the teens. <laughs> Storage became a consistent challenge. My HR team, led by Amy Wister, allowed us to store it in every nook and cranny behind their offices. It was always worth the challenges 
when we would bring the clothing to Koinonia, the teen's mood and demeanor would do a 180-degree change every time they put on a new piece of clothing that fit and that looked great on them. Those were special moments. Weaving charity into my business model happened over time and slowly created higher levels of trust and loyalty with my customers. Many of them became volunteers and supporters of Dress to Soar. And focusing on service made my social media efforts much more effective since the posts were focused on service over self-promotion. This also happened one step at a time, which was necessary since I am about as tech-savvy as an 80-year-old man. As the charitable efforts with Koenia grew, I began to feel inadequate in leading these efforts. It had been over 10 years since leading anything bigger than a co-ed recreational team. This lack of leadership experience created an insecurity and deep-seated feelings of inadequacy. I didn't trust my ability to lead this effort with the teens. Thankfully, I continually leaned on God, the wonderful volunteers who joined the effort, and this concept of small, incremental steps doing just a little more. Just when some inspiration was needed, I was introduced to a poem about a rose. The rose starts as a bud, beginning to bloom, but its owner became impatient and wanted the rosebud to bloom sooner. So he began to manipulate the rosebud on his own in an effort to make it bloom faster. This process had the completely opposite desired effect. The rose became deformed and ugly, never to be able to bloom and become a beautiful flower. This poem hit home in two ways. My desire to control things and not allow events to develop in God's time. And when I try moving too fast, it usually blows up in my face. Every time my natural desire is to move too fast and go too big, reared its ugly head, I would think back on this beautiful poem. As my team stayed focused on serving Quinnia, new ideas came up of ways we could provide more comprehensive services for Quinnia. Focusing on small, incremental refinement of our efforts made us believe we could accomplish more. Personally, I began to believe that God made me with more gifts and talents than I previously thought. Slowly, but surely, this new identity was being formed inside of me. I began to see myself as a man who could organize groups, albeit, I'll admit not that well, motivate and influence volunteers, create workbook content, provide my voice as a speaker and leader, inspire donors to support our efforts, help lead fundraisers, and connect with teens half my age. The consistent development of habits over an extended period of time, was beginning to pay dividends in my life and the teens we served. So many people made incredible contributions to these efforts in the community. Paige Welters and Sarah Ryan, my store managers during this time, Angela Skolnick and Heather Wilson, my department managers who really supported the efforts. Christine Hollingshead, she donated a $2,000 shopping spree 
which led to the idea of the Nordstrom Rack shopping sprees. LRG Lending, Capital Rivers Commercial, our biggest sponsors. And my brother, David Studebaker, who headlined and helped launch our first big fundraiser. This event helped us support Koinia in hosting their first ever prom for the teens. We provide the clothing for the young men, prom makeovers for the ladies, and some prom gift bags for all the teens. It was a truly heartwarming experience. And there's so many others. You know who you are. We were all learning as we went in serving the teens. The expected growing pains usually were associated with growing too big, too fast, and not staying focused on the microhabit principles. One example of growing pains that was both humbling and hilarious had to do with me trying to drive a U-Haul-sized truck. I had never driven one before and was very nervous. We had at that time a partnership with St. Vincent's de Paul and used a storage room for our clothing at their office. This was such a godsend since we ran out of nooks and crannies at Nordstrom. Loading up all the clothes for a Quinea-style workshop, we lacked the necessary background to understand how to properly tie down a truck's contents. Somehow, along with not tying down the rolling racks, we didn't close the back sliding door. I made the assumption that someone else had done it. In my mind, I was freaking out over being stuck driving a big truck for the first time. The important point of a closed back door flew right over my head and out the back of the truck. <laughs> so pulling out into the street, I could hear a lot of movement and loud bangs behind me. Looking back, my face must have been ghost white. Most of the clothes were strewn behind the truck in the street. I screeched to a halt and reversed the truck close to where most of the clothes were. This is where God makes up for all of my inadequacies. Heading by on their morning walk were a couple of employees from a nearby shop. They offered to help me pick up the clothing off the ground. <laughs> Thankfully, there were no cars coming down the street, and most of the clothes were in bags and relatively clean. They were absolutely lovely people and fellow Christians as well. Remembering I still needed to get gas for the truck, I said thank you and hurried on my way. Arriving at Quininia flustered and sweaty, everyone thought something bad had happened to me. Once I explained what happened, it provided quite a laugh at my expense. Since that day, I have refrained from driving a big truck, which I am sure everyone is very thankful for. We all have gifts and talents that are unique to us. It is as important to identify what our weaknesses are as well as our strengths. One of my weaknesses is obviously loading and driving big trucks. Microhabits allow you to develop new skills and enhance strengths you didn't know existed. But the process can be very frustrating in the beginning because the efforts start small and for a period of time, progress looks like it is barely being made. Most people sadly give up after a few weeks before the system can provide results. They think that if they can't see results quickly, it must not be working. 
It seems to always be about achieving a goal in 30 days. But what happens after 30 days? Wouldn't a system that provides sustainable, long-term results be better? The beautiful thing about microhabits is if I fall off the habit horse, it is always possible to climb back on by going back to the initial, smaller, easier microhabit. Starting and maintaining a habit is always the biggest issue for most people. It's like the difference between choosing for your first ride to try mounting a bucking bronco or a miniature pony. Which one would you feel more comfortable taking on your first riding lesson? Over time, riding the pony gets easier and you refine your horsebacking riding skills to the level where you can mount and ride the bucking bronco. But this was a process that developed slowly over time. Without starting as a microhabit, achieving the skills to ride a bucking bronco wouldn't have been possible. The process of refining and developing the idea of microhabits has been slowly cultivated over the last six years culminating in what I thought was a new discovery when I coined the phrase microhabits. Much to my dismay, BJ Fogg beat me to this discovery more than a decade ago with his tiny habits system. As I explored his concepts and that of James Clear's atomic habits, I was very impressed with their findings. However, one thing was missing in a big way that key component of God. As I explored my beliefs and experiences with microhabits, none of this would have been possible without God. I can truly say that I am not the same person, and this journey has changed me from the inside out. My identity and view of self has changed in dramatic ways as well. A desire to get more out of life has grown exponentially along with my confidence that it is possible. Coming from a place of being lost and broken just seven years ago, it gives me confidence that others can use this formula of microhabits on their journeys as well. You may be curious what has occurred with Dress to Soar over the last two years. We partnered with an amazing nonprofit named Ticket to Dream. This was the foundation Dale Carlson, the founder of Sleep Train, started. They do wonderful work to support hundreds of nonprofits nationwide. Their staff is the best, and it's been a true honor to partner with them. We have been able to style hundreds of teens through style workshops and shopping sprees. This was made possible hiring a part-time program director named Tim Wickham and hosting two fabulous fundraisers last year. Tim and the volunteers are the glue that makes everything run. Through the generosity and support of our sponsors and supporters, we are excited to be blessed with the opportunity to pay for the entire 2020 Koinonia Prom. It has also allowed us to create a joint foster care initiative with Destiny Community Center, where we will be hosting the prom. Together, we now can expand the number of teens in foster care served in Sacramento and Placer County. Hundreds of volunteers have played a role in our efforts over the last few years, along with dozens of local businesses and organizations. These experiences have left a lasting impression that we are truly stronger 
when we work together as a community. If any of you want to volunteer but don't know how or where, just remember that every great effort has to start somewhere. Find some small way to serve. The memories, experiences, and relationships built through the simple desire to serve is beautiful and life-changing. If any of you don't think you can serve, just think of my feeble beginnings. Before this year, I never believed I could write, let alone write a book. Before a couple years ago, speaking in front of crowds seemed like something that was used as a torture device. By starting with crowds of a few people and growing from there, I now love public speaking. Until recently, I barely knew what a podcast was. And thanks to my friends Jim Allen and Nate Diaz motivating me, now I'm having a blast starting this one. And remember, tech savvy of an 80-year-old man. That's me. I feel blessed and grateful for all that God has shown me. I truly pray that these experiences and the lessons learned can positively impact your life by introducing you to the transformative power of microhabits combined with faith. That really is a secret sauce. God plus microhabits equals transformational change. If you have any questions, I can be reached at microhabitsman at gmail.com or on Facebook at microhabitsforlife. Thanks for listening and God bless.